0: listening to do slam your podcast i am as ever your 2.4 host jd collins and we've reached the big one it is the one and only seven dials voted one of those popular 2.4 children episodes with two classic moments more classic moments than you get in a whole series of other sitcoms and joining me is a return of a guest who i most admire i've met him in person we had a great sitcom chat we have loads of sitcom chats and we're looking forward to having another one tonight for your all viewing well not viewing pleasure listening pleasure It's the one and only sitcom steven sitcom steven thanks for coming back on
1: oh thanks for having me jd and i'm i just want to say i'm absolutely thrilled to be coming on the show the podcast to be chatting about what i consider the not just the best 2.4 children uh episode but one of the best sitcom episodes of all time across all tv sitcoms
0: Interesting.
1: Uh, I really, really, really rate this um, episode very highly. So I'm really pleased that you've let me come on to chat about it. I'm very happy.
0: Well, we we actually, uh, I think it means it feels like a, a lifetime ago that I was starting this out. So we're in September now. Actually, we're near, near October. I was starting this about November last year, just getting it all together. And when we got in touch, you mentioned liking this episode, but because I was struggling to find people wanting to do Series 1 and 2, if I'm being really honest, people who said they were already going to come on, I'd say, oh, you know, could you as a favour, just come on this one earlier? So this has always been the episode for you. We've had lots... We've had it requested so many times, so... Here you are, and we're going to have a great chat now. And if you if I remember correctly, you you saw this episode on a plane.
1: Yeah, and I was looking at the... Um, just before I came on, I thought I'd I, I double-check when the episode was broadcast. Mm. Uh, and It's October 1995. So I just remember... I thought it was maybe '96 when I watched it, which it might have been because I mean it wouldn't have been. I would have watched it on the airplane when it was close to broadcast. No. So I think it was either 1996 or 1997. I was on an airplane. I'd have been seven years old, I think, and it was when airplanes didn't have this one. Back in the day, when you know, this isn't like recently where you've got like a screen on the headrest in front. This was like an old school monarch airplane where there's like two or three or four televisions at the most and they dangle down the ceiling um and Amazing. you don't get to pick the entire plane is watching
0: well i mean i'd be very happy if i was to, if that was the case watching 2.4 children or something of equal brilliance and a great and a great great episode as well and so do you want one of your favorite episodes of sitcom ever let's go into it so as ever before we do go into the review i'm really intrigued to know what andrew Marsh has to say about this one
2: Well 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 there you all are again nice to see you although well, of course I can't actually see you which is probably a good thing and uh, and you can't see me which is which is definitely a good thing so now we come to episode 5 of series 5 which is called seven dials named after a landmark in London I haven't checked this recently but I think I'm right in saying that there are shots of seven clocks throughout the episode so you can have a bit of fun trying to spot those if you can and counting them. This is the episode that quite a lot of people seem to remember very vividly I think for, t- for two reasons. I was reading through the newspapers one day. And I, I should explain uh, that newspapers were these these things we used to have, which were sort of like a, a, a very light iPad that didn't move about. And I happened to read an article about Shirley Bassey. And it said, as part of the article, that she stores all her glittery dresses in a warehouse somewhere. And I thought, wow, that's a really interesting uh, thing to know. So that was one element of the show I should say that uh, the filming of this was not done in Shirley Bassey's dress warehouse because we had no idea where it was it didn't say so and uh, and we were too frightened to ask her and it's actually filmed in what was the BBC costume store in glamorous downtown Acton it's not there anymore of course because the the, the BBC have, have demolished uh, most of their assets um, including me of course. But that's how we did it. The outside is a a warehouse somewhere. The inside is the BBC Costume Store. And all the costumes come from the BBC Costume Store, except I think a couple of them, which they ran up to to very closely resemble a couple of Shirley Bassey's outfits. We were rather hoping that we might have Shirley Bassey come in at the end, but um, sadly we discovered that she lived in Monaco and had to be expensively flown over and expensively put up in expensive hotels. And since we only had about fourpence in the budget for that sort of thing that wasn't possible but uh, it would have been nice wouldn't it anyway the other part of the story takes place in Port Marion which is a beautiful Italianate village in North Wales Uh, and it's the place where a great deal of The Prisoner the ITC series starring Patrick McGowan was filmed including I think the actual house that was supposed to be his house and we also had some members of the prisoner appreciation society who came along to dress as the extras in the scene and they were were great fun and uh, added a huge amount to the shoot i do actually and this is this is the only i think thing we have with this i do actually have some behind the scenes Shooting at Port Marion video footage. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it's on a VHS tape, and I've no idea now how I can conceivably get that off and put it uh, where you can see it. But if I ever do, then I'll, I'll, I'll try if I ever find out how to do it. So, Seven Dials, the Shirley Bassey Dress Stroke Prisoner episode. Take it away.
0: The episode begins with Bill and Ben in bed in the complete dark. Alarm goes off and they both wake up. Ben says it's three o'clock and he must have set the alarm wrong. Have you ever done that before where you've set the alarm earlier than you like considerably earlier than you would have by mistake? I have. And it's horrible.
1: Never. I always wake up a minute before the alarm. So I never even get that horrible moment where the alarm wakes you up.
0: You're someone who can't cope. You clearly have something that means you can't. It's like me. I can't cope with alarms. But for some reason, that one, one time I was supposed to be up at seven and I, my alarm was at four, set for, God knows why, but knowing I had three hours left in bed to sleep was wonderful.
1: It's a lovely feeling.
0: Oh, it really is. And so he pretends to go back to sleep and he does it so well when he just like leans up and just checks that Bill's asleep and then sneaks out of the bedroom, sneaks downstairs, walking backwards down the stairs. I mean, that's a really, that's a skill that I've never done that before. I'd probably slip. <laughs>
1: Very dangerous. Oh, it is. Um, but it, it, this whole mom, this whole section of it, it it, it just re- I, it, I say, I think I say it every time I come on. Um, it just emphasises what a big he is, doesn't it? Oh, it um, is. Yeah, it's a lovely visual when when he's kneeling um, in the kitchen using the fridge as as light. Yeah. That's a really nice visual um, and a good, It's. It, I mean, you when you're filming a sitcom in a domestic environment, um, particularly a sitcom which is visually looks quite realistic, well, very mm-hmm. realistic, yeah. it, you know, it's one of the most realistic looking sitcoms I think ever made, certainly that period, Yeah, uh, certainly compared to like My Family, for instance, which doesn't look like a real house. No. But, it, Having it's a, it's good direction and probably writing because it was probably in the script, but certainly yeah. good direction. Having that fridge used as the light source, you know, at nighttime, it's a good. It helps keep it interesting visually. Oh, it does. Oh, it's totally realistic.
0: Does. Yeah, it, the the flow of the show, the show is always very impressive in a way that I don't always get with other sitcoms. Other sitcoms, you really feel like it's just stagnated. That every bit happens, and you kind of. But this bit feels like it's going from. It goes from, it goes, it just flows so naturally. And yen, you should say it's a great visual, him having the door open in, in the dark with the lights reflecting on the um, phone. And then he just, you just don't know what he's up to. And it's just that constant anticipation. That's what another big, you constantly never know what's coming next. So he answers, so he dials and phone in, seven dials. And then, or oh, is it six? I never I, twigged that. That's what I've just, re- this come to me that it, that's probably what it refers to as seven dials.
1: Light bulb moment, epiphany.
0: Light bulb moment from a fridge. <laughs> Just perfect tiring. And then he goes, Hello? Is that the plumber? I think that's the right impression. I, I've heard
1: worse, worse Welsh accents.
0: Thank you. Oh, it's a Welsh accent. Right, OK. Oh, no, I know. I can do a better impression of it later. Paddy's Cafe. So it, we have the return of Roger Lloyd-Pack in the second of the Jake Klinger trilogy. Jake leaves his house and gets in his van. And I love the intense music that plays at this moment. Because You really you realise that something is, is happening in conjunction with Ben's phone call. Um, going across the um, various streets, eventually the van pulls up and Jake walks to the house and then a light appears behind him and, and it's real to be a night guard that tells Jake it's private property that he's on. But Jake professes that they've called him he's the plumber they want me and it's another great visual um reveal when the night guard points his torch to a sign that just says show home because uh, and at this moment you twig wouldn't you that this is a, a Nicky take
1: wouldn't you it's still quite a level of arrogance to jerk, i think yeah uh, like I, i'm a plumber they want me yeah. uh, you know like, like Like who does he think he is, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think the night guard is indulges him a lot to just let hit just let Jake grab the key. Um uh, to you know to let them go inside. And Jake just says, No, that you know, grabs the night guard's torch, storms upstairs and says, There's a bad leak in the bathroom. Which sees the the music continue to build tension. When Jake enters the bathroom, he sort of hovers and then points the um, torch across the uh, goes across the wall to the top of the toilet and then he moves the light up the wall and this points to a sign that says here it is and now an pointing right down and as he moves it reveals stuck to the wall an actual moldy leak like the vegetable a leak <laughs> on the wall and you just suddenly and you just realize what's happened and then jake you know, like um, when you're at camp, when you go out camping and you want to tell a scary story, you put a light underneath your chin just to make yourself look scary, illuminate your face in the dark. And he just go, he does this, that exact thing and says, Ben Porter. And then the great next bit is Ben just wedding himself in the in the kitchen. As you say, he is just a kid at this point. He is, he he's won this particular contest. And yeah, he's just loving it. He's loving life at this point.
1: I think it's lovely as well that he's got a worst enemy, yes.
0: um, and
1: again, there's something quite childlike about that
0: mm. uh,
1: having a worst enemy. Yeah, you know, uh, when I was a young kid, I had uh, there was a lad at the bottom of the road who I, I went to school and I hated him, and he was my worst enemy. Uh, you know, and 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 there's something quite, and it makes it makes Ben more endearing having that. You don't hate Jake; you never hate Jake. No, uh, Klinger. but you. you, you you love watching them bounce off each other and, and rile each other up because it's, it is innocent. It's never yes. nasty. No. Um, so it just, it adds to that, that childlike charm. Yeah, really, absolutely. I, I think.
0: And then, it, it, you know, Ben's never far away from Bill appearing and, and, you know, questioning what he's up to. She said, what's so funny. And then, <laughs> Ben's just Ben is one of those people who's able to just find a way of making an excuse, even if it's the most rubbish in the in the in the book. So he jumps up and just says um, the celery, just says the celery is making him laugh, and I love how Bill grips, grabs out of the fridge, and then David runs down, He's almost fully dressed in his in his school shirt, and I love I love how Bill is so now in this moment I think she's just la- joking, laughing when she's holding out the celery, going. Ha! <laughs> It's quite an amusing little moment showing that she's just kind of, she's probably tired, and she's probably just trying to think what this crazy man I've married. I'm just going to laugh at the celery and just try and understand him when he do- when she really doesn't. David asks what she's doing, and she says, "Oh, nothing," and throws it back in the fridge. David can't sleep. Bill asks him why. She reminds he reminds them of their promise, and it's just a typical Bill to David response. If alien visitors come during the night, we'll wake you up. And then David says, No, you you the promise, and you know, he doesn't ask much and they've forgotten. You know, Bill says they haven't, so David says they'll know why he can't sleep. You know, it's that kind of to and fro conversation of they're trying not to show that they've forgotten, and he's trying to sort of he thinks they understand, or he's trying to maybe get it out of them that he knows that they've forgotten.
1: I love I love the bit as well where um where Ben says something and Bill doesn't approve so she whacks him over the head yes. with a tin to kind of correct him Yeah, um, it's a nice bit of visual comedy it's not like a hilarious bit but mm. it, it it, it feels like something I don't know, it might. It was, it, it probably could have been in the script, but it, it things like that always feel like they're done in rehearsal and it's and it's That's relationships right. that maybe the actors have got together and they know how to yeah. improve on dialogue and in, improve on the kind of make it more feel more authentic, if anything,
0: definitely. Um, and, I, and I think as well, when you look, it does she doesn't whack him too hard that it probably wouldn't hurt, it, it's enough to make a noise. But it doesn't actually no. hurt you, and those kind of tins don't hurt. Don't actually hurt that much, do they? Not that I've ever backed myself again, over the head of one. No,
1: no. no. And again, it, it it it's kind of a physical representation of Ben, uh, sorry, Bill, putting trying to keep Ben in check. Yeah, you know, but without being this overbearing, you know, dominant, dominant, too dominant figure. You know, well, so it's like. Yeah. I will physically show that I'm putting you in check, but it's, it's a tap.
0: Yeah. And also I think in the context of why she's doing it, it's it's actually in a moment where for once Ben's usually, you know, quite a uh, pally with David, he even calls him Pugsley, he calls him Pugsley when he sees them come downstairs. But at this moment, this is referring to the acting competition that David is taking part in. You know, he says, what if I dry? And Ben's like, dry what? And he realized and it's an actor's word. He'll forget his, the lines. Then, well, it, then it clicks. It's the drama context.
1: It's it's a bit of a reversal as well. In, in this, a massive reversal in the sense that Bill and Ben are on the same side.
0: They're not very enthusiastic about it. But I think Bill shows a more motherly um, encouragement, whereas Ben show. I think Ben. This is one of the few times Ben is quite um, tries to be the macho man, thinking my son's doing drama. No, I don't want that.
1: But but I what I mean. But so I think I think it's a reversal. In in the kind of the, the typical setup of a two point four children episode, in the sense that the parents are have got a promise to the kid, and oh yes, they're, they're, they're in sync. They're in sync because you know even up until this point, really, you know the kid David is 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 is, is putting an expectation yes to the parents, and the parents uh, basically have to follow you know live up to that expectation of making sure that they are at the performance. Yes. So the, the, there's a unity there that doesn't isn't normal to a 2.4 children episode between the parents. David and Ben often have the unity. Yes. Um, Bill is often the enforcer who's rallying against that. Yeah. In this, it's different. Yeah, there's this like divide in the sense that Bill might, is a bit more enthusiastic about the performance than Ben. Yeah. But there's still that unity between them. Like, oh, we've got a kid. We can't let him down. So it's a little bit different there in that structure, I think.
0: I like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I've never thought of it like that, actually. I mean, I I know that the episode is more or less the parents and the kids are separate. And this is a moment where the roles reverse slightly. The parents are the ones making some questionable choices. But as parents, as you say, they've got the um, responsibility to... Not let their child down. And it's funny when Ben says, you know, and if we were there, we'd be proud of you. And then we'll wax him on the head and, and you say, and, and then he says, and of course we will be there and we'll be very proud of you. You know, and, and they both then that moment, they're smiling together and saying, you know, we, we are going to be here for you. David says, sets not the entire episode up, doesn't it, really? It really does. Because then David says not to worry if they can't make it. And then he says, I know what you're both like with clocks. You never know what time it is. And then I love how together they say, it's uh, it's um, 20 past two in the morning. And then Jenny appears and shouts, it's five past four in the morning. And then rips them all a new one. And, you know, says to David, you know, it's a stupid acting contest. And which is quite an interest, which is a, a nice bit for later on. She tells them all to be quiet. And then David tells them, you know, it's four o'clock. In the school hall, and then promise to Ben says, Promise will be there. And and this is a you know, every episode you have written has a little bit of the theme tune play as a transition. This is probably the most perfect one when Bill says, What could possibly stop us? And then you hear the because in the even in the 95 audience, they'll think, We know this, these two, God knows what's gonna happen.
1: You know, there's gonna be a disaster,
0: yeah. Already though, this episode's
1: it feels quite tight already. I mean, as a f- mm. first time viewer, you've mm. no idea what is ahead of you. No. But w- the, straight away, we've had one, well, two scenes, if you include bedroom kitchen.
0: Yeah.
1: Straight away, we've laid the groundwork for the episode.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: There's no, that's a very quick setup that
0: mm. it is. Know,
1: so it's straight away right into it.
0: So, the, yeah, exactly. Plot line. Bill and Ben have to get to the school by four o'clock and will they? So we go to Paddy's cafe and the clock shows 1045. And we see this clock that the whole, that the visual of the clock just appears throughout the episode, that idea of time. And they've got to keep an eye on the time. And what time is it? Sean is the new owner. um, And he asks Ben and Christine if they, Well, Christine says it makes a change from the other way around. And I had to think of it. I'm like, what does she mean? And then when it's explained, a healthy man eating a condemned breakfast, <laughs> which I like. And then Ben asks if she'd rather go to the burger place. And then Sean's like, oh, it's very unhealthy in there. We don't have any additives in our food. And then he sprays, he proceeds to spray some antiseptic thing on his apple. I mean, in the dodgiest place in London, there's probably places like that now. Was it not furniture polish? Could have been. Oh, it might have been actually. Did, did it have the I label on so. it?
1: Well, I don't know, but I thought it was furniture polish. But either way, it's not. It's it, it's gonna. It's not going to be good for you.
0: No, it won't last. It won't make the apple last long, and it won't be good for the people who eat it. And then he asks them if there's anything else they'll want for today, and Christine just replies, "Yeah, the runs, I should think." <laughs> Which is a great line. Ben asks for an orange, and Sean says he'll defrost one. Just just reinforces how the storage of food storage hygiene regulations that went on in that, in that place probably before the the, the, the strict hygiene regulations If mean, it's places like that pre-2000s yeah i can see why they came in
1: yeah absolutely
0: jake enters and ben refers to him as jake the klingon referencing his star trek obsession from the episode beaming up scotty and it's plumbing jim but not as we know it Ben just do it once again taking the mickey bit of banter Jake then says, I have long discontinued the childish interest in Star Trek. And then Ben says he's heard that he's got, he, get, he has to get up early to go on a trip with some other fans. And then Jake says, yes, and I wouldn't have been late if I hadn't overslept. And in this moment, I think you think Jake, I get a point that he, I feel like he knows and then he doesn't. He's just trying to get the information out of Ben. Do you get that vibe?
1: I think so, yeah. Um, you, 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 it's It's common sense, isn't it?
0: Yes, but it's pretty it,
1: he's trying to play it cool.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then he explains that he's transferred his allegiance to a more a mature body of work. And then Ben asks if it's the Magic Roundabout or Noddy and Toiler. <laughs> and then Jake says that the subject of his latest homage is the fascinating program known as The Prisoner. And Jake is the president of a radical splinter group of the main fan club, which Ben which is dis-
1: just ludicrous, isn't do you it? Not, do you not a agree? Racist. Do you not believe? A radical splinter group of the main fan club. I mean, can you imagine the drama that's going on? It's like the Judeans people front against the people's front of Judea, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, I give it I, I, surely there's a full 30 minute sitcom episode in in in, in the prisoner fan club and, and them doing a splinter group, surely.
0: But who would be more? Let's 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 question this. Who would be the more toxic fan group, the prisoners or the Whovians?
1: Well, there's a, there's a Doctor Who, I mean, fan club-wise, fan-wise, fandom-wise. Yeah. that, that that's, that's a whole new realm, especially when you get into the whole modern-day Who stuff because there's new Who fans versus old Who fans. And yes. then there's the Jodie Whittaker haters versus the Jodie Whittaker lovers. Mm. The Chibnall element as well. That's a yeah. whole minefield.
0: So yeah, I mean, bear in mind this is geek fandom that Jake's getting involved in pre-internet. Well, no, just the internet probably just starting off then. Forums probably. And then
1: this yes. will have been when they had little like fan fan magazines that they used to post around.
0: Yes, exactly, and have meetups in um in like civic halls in towns or or in this in this instant, Port Marion. Exactly. Yeah. And then I love Ben's description of this. This would not get away. They wouldn't get away with saying this today. He described it as some 60s rubbish about some ponce stuck in a village.
1: <laughs> I know it's for a family sitcom. I mean, I have no issue with the word ponce. But you would you get away with ponce nowadays on a... I
0: don't think it's a, It's not a word I hear very often, to be honest. It's a bit yeah. like the word queer. Is, I mean, queer has been reclaimed whatever it's what however you describe it but one time it was a derogatory term Ponce is probably similar but it was it was something i think you would hear sort of macho men use to describe someone who they thought was a bit less because obviously patrick garen wasn't gay in it and then and he's a secret agent he, probably in the 60s he was probably the the ultimate macho man but by 90s standards it might not be seen to be it's it's 60s it's different
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then jake's um said he's not interested in hearing ben's pathetic attempts at ridicule and then ben Ben, this is when ben just decides to just have a load of fun and says well i won't be sleeping over it and jake says why you say that and then ben turns and goes oh no particular reason and then jake storms over towards ben you know knows instantly what's happened and i love how christine she's like tiny compared to to jake and and ben and she's just a nice visual it really is she's a she's literally a rose between two thorns at this point she's just trying to back them off and she's scary so you would do so and very then she's small said, yeah very small
1: it's a nice visual because she's small compared to the two so right. when she's pushing them
0: mm.
1: keeping them apart it's a nice visual i like uh, that she, yeah. she mentions about the godfather no sorry he is yes. yeah she mentions the godfather and when, when when it got to that point, it, it's quite striking how many you know um, cult references and cultural references there are at this point. We've already had Star Trek, we've had The Prisoner, mm. we've now had The Godfather, yeah. um, and even up until this point, the way it's been filmed and structured in a way has been quite film-like. Yes, um, definitely. I would even say the fridge spit in the kitchen yes. um, is quite film-like, and also. Uh, Jake Klinger going to the show home, the way it's filmed and structured, the music, yeah, it it doesn't feel like a sitcom at this point. It feels, I mean, minus the scene in the calf, um,
0: and the studio audience,
1: yeah, 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 it feels like um, a bit more of a kind of a comedy action kind of film, really, yeah. It's it's kind of also, it's it's when it's not mimicking that, yeah it's referencing it
0: the show's always been one that has a reference to cult tv of the time Mm. and stuff and the thing that makes it so relevant now is you know prisoner at this point was what near 30 years old and the prisoner still to this day we'll go on to it in a little bit but it's still a cult fan base it's still a cult show now and then the godfather is still a massively popular movie um, from an era that people consider the best of film, seventies is considered the best decade. But the thing as well, you saying about it is very cinematic and the vision. What I love about two point four children's pa- use of parody and homage, it's not just episodes or, or like TV shows or film, but genres. So if they're doing action, if they're going to do horror, they really play up the production values. That's beyond what you get in your average sitcom, which again deserves, why deserves more credit. So, and then when you, as you say, the godfather, he mentions, and then Ben says, that was a horse's head. This is quite the reverse. <laughs> Such a savage line towards Jake. And then Christine warns Ben that he'll get in trouble and remember what happened the last time. And, you, and, and then Jake says, tell, you know, you should listen to this one. You know, she's talking sense. And Ben's like, no, I can look after myself. And then Ben mentions that, you know, they would be finishing early anyways. He has a poor meeting he can't miss, sort of. He's, he's got, it's it's that he knows, he's, he's definitely keeping an eye on the time. And then Christine goes to the door and says, well, on your own head, be it. And then Ben repeats, on my own head, be it. And she slams the door. Perfect. Use the word. Christine storms out. And then this is a wonderful visual. You've got the, the clock on the wall just falls onto the shelf. And then the shelf underneath sort of slants sideways. The clock then tumbles down that onto a shelf, onto another shelf. And then causes the bars to fall and hit Ben, What white and bang, on the head. And he just falls off. Um, and he's quite a, a realistic, you know. It does look like he's he's really had a nasty bang on the head, and he collapses to the ground. And Sean asked if they should call an ambulance. And then Jake and, and Richard, when Roger Lloyd Pack just just, in, you can tell he's enjoying being the villain of the episode when he says, "I don't think that will be necessary. I have my van with me." He's he's, he's a sadist. He is he is like a, a Disney villain at this point.
1: Well, have you seen it? you ever see him in Doctor Who playing John Lumnick?
0: Oh, the Cybermen one.
1: Yeah, he's he quite scary. Yeah, he wants
0: to be. Yeah, he was also in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and he wasn't quite a villain, but he had a villainy esque look about him. He was, I think, he, his his character was someone quite well up in the magic ministry thing. And yeah, he was he's, he's you know he was a he did, I think he did Shakespeare as well. He was a really you know for all the comedy that we know him from as as TV fans, he he was he did some amazing theater work as well. Very mm. classically trained actor. At a different location, Bill and Rona leave a warehouse. Um, Rona has a video camera. They, it was their last contender for a business property. Um, and Bill was convinced they'd find something special. You know, as, as I said in the last couple of episodes, you know, this series, well, the whole of 2.4 Children is about the sort of development of Bill and Rona's this um, business. You go from the, the their job in the first series, kind of getting unemployment in the second, third series. They're sort of building it up. Four two is the kitchen, and now they're looking for their own property. And this is last the whole series, and and based on timelines, it's lasting for months as well. And yeah, I like that. I just think it's more realistic. Well, it's
1: sort of real life, isn't it?
0: Exactly. And uh, other sitcoms, they'd be done within one episode, and it'd be too, you know, very unrealistic, and they never have money problems or whatever. But again, this is this is a bit more to it to to Friendly. the reality. It's it's not the episodic
1: format, is it, in the sense that it is, obviously with different storylines, but in terms of the characters' progression through life, yes, you know, in education, employment, relationships, it very much just continues. It's a continuous link.
0: Exactly. And it feels like it feels like by the end of it where they become where they're up to with their business. And you see from the beginning they have gone on, on a on a very um long arc and learnt a lot about themselves as as individuals in the process. Rona says um the the second slap what last one could work if they replace the windows and as Bill says all 40 of them. You just you can just imagine what how much. It's in on those walls. That'd be such an, a big task to do. Bill checks her watch and says that it stopped at ten past one. And then Rona mentions that there's a church around the corner, which um, she obviously would have a clock on it. And then Rona becomes entranced by something. Go on. Which really, I was just going to say that when she said about the, the church, yes.
1: it makes you... Re- you know, in 2021, you think, let's go look at the church clock. You know, mm. I don't think anybody my age or your age would, would think to do that. Like, oh, I can't tell the time. Oh, I think there's a church around the corner. I'll go look at the church clock. But it's really, um, it, it's endearing that she says that. I think, mm. you know, very weird for me to say because it's 2021 again. But, you know, um, it, it kind of does date it as well. You oh, know, yeah. Because we don't have a mobile phone. Everyone just has a mobile phone, don't they? She's forgot her watch, or her watch isn't working, yada yada. Or I will go look at the church clock.
0: Love that. I think I I, I would disclose, I I will I've been always called an old soul, and I'm and and you would I get a vibe from things that we talk about. You're kind of an old soul in other ways. Am I kind of writing that in that? Well, I am a bit
1: older than you, but yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: not very old in age, but just I mean, mentally, you, you know, we like a lot of old shows, we like a lot of old sitcoms. We yeah. talk to a lot of older people, and I love hearing about as you say, uh, things that people used to do before modern technology. So just to digress slightly, something that really intrigued me. I watched a rip a, a documentary last year on the Yorkshire Ripper, and there was a, one of the cases where there was an evidence where it was a letter, and basically what they would do across the UK they put billboards up of this letter and said, "Do you recognise this handwriting?" And one of the police officers that was on the case said, well, "You know, people recognise the handwriting, people, their family's members' handwriting, don't they?" And I'm thinking, I genuinely couldn't recognise any mind anyone I knows handwriting now because it would be as scruffy as everyone else's, because no, no one no one uses no one handwrites anymore. I don't, I can't remember the last time I handwrote anything. Just to (laughs)
1: You know, it's interesting i like to think that 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 happened you know because i I can't imagine the police putting a letter up and you know as a mass campaign nowadays well nowadays Um, you
0: could you could there's dna to to trace people's handwriting isn't there probably happened like 20 that probably came into practice 10 years later possibly but it's weird to think how people's mentalities all changed and yeah again i like that i like that when it captures that time because you know people live in history and we need to Mm. know where we all come from so definitely I really, I I just adore this section now. Rona becomes entranced by something else, something she didn't notice when they drove in another warehouse. And what I love is you see the visual of her looking at something. And then when you see the, the, um, the camera shot of them walking towards the exterior of this other building, it's like the lights... Of the, of the sky turn red it's very weird and i can't decide I mean, whether it's if it's done like it like something's been done with tampered with the visual or it, that was the color of the sky that on the day they recorded because it looks creepy and like a bit foreboding what do you think
1: uh, i didn't actually notice the sky I, I think i was more um the music kind Cre- that's of what, what i was gonna say yeah um, the music is creepy yeah but intriguing and again, kind of makes it slightly film-like.
0: It's like a horror is, film.
1: Well, the music is is kind of telling me how I should feel.
0: Yes, and that there's something bad's coming.
1: It's driving the story along. Because otherwise, and I suppose, you know, in a sitcom, particularly mm. a family-based why would that? Yeah, there'd be mystery, but it wouldn't be as exciting, would it? Oh, there's a warehouse over there. So the music is really important at this point, Yes. And it I'm... really adds layers to it, and, and 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 does just does kind of stops it just from just being a oh there's a warehouse. Yeah, I wonder what it is. Let's go and have a look. Yeah, the tension builds, and 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 up until this point, you don't know what the payoff's going to be.
0: No, exactly. Now,
1: if you've watched two point four children episodes in the past, you'll know there will be a payoff. Because there always is a payoff with two point four children, but I don't know if many people. I mean, I'm assuming everyone who's listening has watched this episode. But if they haven't, spoiler, <laughs>
0: I'm,
1: I'm assuming there will that most people wouldn't if they had not seen it expect the payoff to be what it is. This um, is this
0: this is the series. This is series five's equivalent of the Cobras. Because you don't go over to a friend's house and expect escape cobras to appear in a in a, in a a living room. It is one of those... You, it, the thing about this show is you never quite know what... As you say, you never know what the payoff's going to be. It's something so wow. lefty. It is. It really is. But the way that, as you say, I, I, going back to what I say about the visual, what I feel about it is the visual and the um, music does make it look like it's gone from a sitcom, which is what it looks kind of like a location film's sitcom as they leave the other um building. But when they're walking towards it, there's just something about the way it all looks. It feels like it's it's there's something mystical about it. And, the, and actually that's the best way I could describe the music. It's quite mystical. It's like do, 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 ding, 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 ding. It's a terrible impression, but it's close and close. I, can't, accent, I know, I know. I can't I'm I mean, i can not play it. So um that's the closest I'm afraid we're gonna get. I was going to do the prisoner theme tune later, but I'm not going to subject anyone to that. I'll just put a, I'll put a link up to the Twitter page. <laughs> the you know the leaves are in front of it. The creepy music. It looks like some fantasy mystery show. Bill mentions it's the it's the exact size. So there's something about it that they can't that they go towards. It's it's enticing them towards them. It's like the building has a li- has some life of it. It's like energy. It's an energy. You're absolutely right.
1: They're drifting towards. It's being they're pulled being pulled in gravity. Yes.
0: and they walk towards it and then. <laughs> Rona just tries jumping up to a, I would say, quite a high window. It's quite a fairly high window. And then Bill's just like, see anything? And she just sort of jumps along with her, probably just to get some blood rushing, because they've probably been just on the on the go all day. Bill says the door's padlocked. Rona asks if, if the key they had, which went to the other buildings, you know, had, had was, there was a key to a padlock. She thinks it is. Um, Rona's just going in. Bill says that's breaking and entering. And then Bill's unsure whether they will have the exact key. So Bill then says, you know, look, sort of goes through the key, says, I'm not sure about this. And then Rona says, well, we're only going inside inside to have a look. We're not doing anything dishonest. And then Bill replies, that's what President Nixon said, which I I had to do a bit of a Google on. And I'll be really honest, President Nixon, I I love my American history. I, I love, I do like what little history they have, but I do quite enjoy American history that I read about. But Nixon And the whole Watergate thing is just something that I cannot wrap my head around. And I think it's something to do with that. I tried to understand. Basically, there was a scandal in the 70s and President Nixon, I don't think he... Orchestrated it, but he knew about it, and he claimed not to. A bit like with what happened with Bill Clinton with Monica Lewinsky, he said he didn't that
1: do it. lines, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was something like that. And and he and he said a few things that were that be, that came back to haunt him. Like he said, "I am not a crook. I am. Not, I only know that line from Mrs Is Doubtfire.' I am not a crook," uh, which again came back to haunt him. Just like Bill Clinton going, "I did not have sexual relations with that woman."
1: This will have only been twenty-one years after Watergate.
0: It's weird 22. to think isn't it it it, it it's such a re- it's still fairly recent in people's history, and it's even talked about today because it was his downfall he he didn't he he wasn't the only president to ever have to ab not abdicate tell british um he the only president who had to step down because of a scandal i think Bill Clinton didn't have to step down I
1: think he was close, but yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, so, it, yeah. it feels like a long time ago what
1: again, i mean I wasn't there it was before my time, but it was closer. To this than we are
0: to this i know that's scary isn't it that is really scary. scary but also bill and rona will have been young enough to remember because my dad i think it was was a teenager during 70s and he remembers uh, watergate and my grandparents do it became worldwide news again another great bit of similar to the bits in paddy's cafe bill says you know i've got to get home for david so uh rona's just like oh we'll take a moment or two another bit of irony there so eventually bill uses the key and opens the padlock and so they can go inside so David is walking down the school corridor. Maggie, his drama teacher, appears and asks if he's ready. David then a- responds with, you know, asking what the judges are like. And she says, oh, the usual monsters, egotists, and depraved. And then, she, yeah, love that. Very, very um, typical drama culture.
1: It's quite, did you not think it were a bit creepy when she ruffles his hair?
0: Well, bear in mind, this is, this. it was implied three episodes ago that they were having a, an affair. Considering they were doing a graduate spoof, mrs robinson and yeah the, the, it is a bit it's a bit a bit touchy-feely which i don't think would be allowed to this today would it
1: i'm not like bothered about it it doesn't like offend me mm. um but like why would it i just like i just think it, it's just a bit creepy that she does it
0: like um, i think we, we we were talking about this in the, the episode about that one <laughs> again you know we talk a bit we talk about the 2.4 children and the, the reveals. You think Bill thinks he's seeing someone could be an older woman. Think she goes to the, her apartment, finds they're doing a graduate spoof, which is just ironic considering what's going through her mind. And then when it, when she thinks, oh, that's fine. He's just it's his drama teacher. And then um, David says to her, Maggie, thanks for everything. I mean everything. And you just think there's so look that there's the looks they give each other that really does suggest there's something more than than there should be.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. W- w- I wonder if that was there Was more planned on that or not, and it's just mm. something that was left in, or if it was decided at the last minute because it was a reference to a few episodes ago makes yeah. you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Have you mentioned the bit about her saying, I'm sure they'll be there?
0: Yes, yeah, so I was, uh, yes, yeah, so she, um, basically, uh, he says, um, she, well, she apologized, she can't go to it because she's covering a class, Ask if she's if he's reminded Bill and Ben, and then says, um, you know, I'm sure they realise how pointless it is to you. And that's when it's just a creepy hair flip and what could happen to stop them. It's again, building up this tension of they're probably not going to be there.
1: The bit where um, the teacher says to David, I'm sure they'll be there. Yeah. And then obviously the next moment Ben wakes up yes. and you know, you you know, from the prisoner references and then obviously the what he's wearing and stuff and the scenery, what's going on now. Yeah. It kind it, it, it's a good example. And, and this happens a lot. With with um in this episode, the dialogue precursor and what's about to happen.
0: Yes. So totally.
1: uh there's a bit where um yeah, so the teacher saying it is the prime is the prime example. But and and there's a there's a few other moments, you know, similarly when he gets the bang on the head, you or, know. Yeah,
0: or Rona saying, um, I'll only be a moment or two.
1: Exactly. The dialogue will will precursor something, and then and then the next moment it's contradicted with the visual exactly um, and it's it's a, it's a nice example of 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 the event of, of the events moving along and the dialogue yeah. um, you know pushing it as well
0: totally oh no absolutely and that's why i think you're constantly on edge because you just you don't know what's happening next you know how it's going to conclude and indeed this is how it it, it, it it this scene with david and the teacher go maggie goes into Ben in Port Mary and so before we start discussing that I would like to have a little ch- quick chat about The Prisoner because I think a lot of people know tr- Star Trek a lot of people know a lot of cult stokes but The Prisoner I think is one that is probably the as cult as cult gets in terms of you know Star Trek bear in mind Star Trek was original the original Star Trek was on at the same time as The Prisoner everyone knows that it, it, it's it's so commonly known so The Prisoner was a one-off 17-part serial created and starring Patrick McGowan, and he was a British intelligence agent who appears in this mysterious village, and he can't leave. And there's weird undercurrents going on in the village. It's, the people are strange. Where is it? There's this giant white balloon thing that captures people who are try and escape. And it's, it, it was an example of what they would call 1960s counterculture, which is basically at a time when in the 60s when things were changing you had obviously the sexual evolution the pop music um Beatle- Beatlemania and I think it's also the years when the war was officially over because in the 50s you had like rationing and and people were still getting over that that awful period in the beginning of the 40s but by the 60s things were changing and I think writers would, would were and creatives were trying to be a bit more transgressive and and talk about difficult things, and this is at the same time as The Avengers. Can you imagine the fact that these were ITV shows? Can you imagine ITV putting on these shows today? It's bonkers. I mean, the the last
1: time ITV, I think, did fantasy or sci-fi fantasy with Primeval. Um, I might be wrong there, but they don't really do that kind of thing now, do they, or push boundaries in that way? Um, I think the, the, The Prisoner, though, isn't it odd that it was why seventeen episodes? That's an odd.
0: Well, I think from what I can gather, um, it was only ever meant to be a one-off. It was a it was a co-American production as well. It was similar to the Avengers. So the Avengers for a few, mm-hmm. few years were, was a British show, and then I think it was in the second series of Diana Rick or maybe the first. They, they liked the color. yes, they liked the show, so they decided to buy it, give them all the the, the American cameras, so it looked like an American show, but then give them the color. But the funny thing is, um. You know, my mum remembers *The Prisoner*. She was about nine. She was really frightened by it. But the funny thing is, the later *Avengers* and *The Prisoner* were still in the British era of, of black and white TV. So a lot of, so most people's first viewing of *The Prisoner* in Britain was black and white. And actually, I can't visualise it. I've no, I've always known it as a show of co- um, in colour that I would just love to see what it looked like in black and white because there's visuals in it I think would be more eerie in black i mean
1: uh, yeah I, i've not what i've only watched half an episode of the prisoner but i have watched quite a lot of avenger episodes same. and and, and the, the quality of the film and these f- stand out you know mm. oh it is when that american funding arrives yes um, it really is it's felt slightly cinematic
0: really it reminds me a lot of the you know when, i think it's around the same time that did you know batman the 60s batman with adam west it has that look about it. It has that kind of production value and that kind of color to it. Um, I actually watched The Vendors last year when we started working from home during lockdown. <laughs> they were on ICV4 and I used to watch them during my. Yeah, lunch. in the
1: mornings. You yeah. show them in the mornings, don't they? Th- they it's were, a very it, was,
0: good it was great fun. And, and, but do you know what I'd say about The Prisoner, though? I mean, it's popular in America as well. It was spoofed on The Simpsons and even Patrick McGowan voiced his character. It's very highly influential, considered, a, a, you know, it's studied and re-studied and people re-watch it and it's I think it holds up I've seen about for personal reasons I've not seen the last four episodes but but it's not to do with the quality of the program but it's very very it holds up well in that I actually think some of the creepy bits still stand out as, as there's something a bit unusual about it and it holds up for that reason And there a monkey as well a monkey uh I think there might have been I need to re-watch the whole thing from the beginning to be honest see it to the end but there's there's loads of weird stuff going on there's mm-hmm. The uh, thing about Port Merion, though, as well, they filmed the Doctor Who story there in
1: 1976. Nice. The Mask of Mandragora. Um, really?
0: I didn't know that was
1: Season, gone, season 13 opener, the Tom Baker and Sir Elizabeth Sladen. Yes, yeah, so that, that's filmed at Port Merion as well. Amazing. it's famous for its renaissance
0: uh, architecture. So, the, yeah, if you've never... I, I really want to go, and, and now the world's opening up again. I'm definitely wanting to go. once I've seen all The Prisoner, I will as well. Port Marion, there was actually a documentary Port Marion on ITV about a year ago. There was three parts about the history and the second episode was specifically about the prisoner and about the filming of it there. They also had the the Prisoner Festival, which I think is what they're talking about in this episode Jake goes to. Um, I also remember a colleague last year going to Port Marion and I said, oh, you're going to where the prisoner was. And she said, now it makes sense everyone is was talking about there was some tour guide saying oh this bit was filmed there there was a souvenir shop they've really kept it going the, the prisoners probably kept it in business and sorry the prisoners probably kept port marion in business for the last half century am i fair in saying that well is it is it a business i mean it's a place it is a place a business, but but because they do the, the festival every year and they've got a souvenir shop and people come from all over the world just because that's where the prisoner was filmed.
1: But anyway, you li- do people live there? People live there,
0: don't they? It's not. A, it's not a. It's one of those places that I think people work there more than live there. If you know what I mean. So like they they said I, I think the third episode of this um, documentary was filmed at the beginning of lockdown. So they said they would they struggle in the winter and they were going to struggle through the summer because oh, right. no because no, no one was going out because I can imagine. It's right by a beach as well. So in the winter, it'd be rubbish. But, then, but I, think, I think you need to watch clips of The Prisoner to really, or even watch the whole of the Prisoner. I think it's on BritBox now. It's definitely on DVD to really understand the visuals and how it links to this. But we'll go into that now. So we see a digital clock that says one forty-five. Ben is asleep on the sofa and he's wearing the number nine clothes, um, opens the blinds, and it is indeed port marion who's dressed him i assume jake has that's it's creepy either. as hell yeah I, I was just thinking that man. who's dressed him well i mean if, if if you're gonna uh do something like this and and, and you're doing it against someone's goodwill uh, and you know it's not someone's goodwill someone's um without someone's say so say so i mean at least he at least he didn't at least he didn't just strip him naked and throw him in and brush him in this in the uh wherever and it's number six I'm thinking of sorry Patrick McGowan's character is just called number six everyone in the village is, is, is called number six and and basically what he's wearing is like a black jacket with little white stripes to it and I love how Ben knows what's going on he just he, he's seeing he's in Port Marion he's wearing the clothes um and it's great so we click. Sorry, we, we go back to the warehouse um, and Bill and Rona enter and all they can see are a row of glittering dresses on coat hangers. Ben walks... And then we go back. So we have having a few go... This is... The great bit of this now is we've kind of seen the two stories separate. Now we're kind of going back and forth. And they you know that whatever they're each going through, some, they're, they're not going to get to David's dramas contest at all. Ben walks around Port Marion and um, there are people dressed up in um, costumes that are in the prisoner. So the costumes people wear in the prisoner, the best way to describe it, they all look like a circus act, not like clowns and then wearing the cl- makeup, but just like colourful hats and colourful clothes. And they have these sort of colourful umbrellas. Um, it's a beautiful place. And that when, they, when they filmed it, it was, it was really sunny, luckily. Ben approaches a young blonde waitress who acts like um, a character in The Prisoner. It's smiling, very creepy, and, she's, and he's like, hello, it's kind of spending, and she's like, hello, sir, spending some time here. Ben asked if there's a phone. I don't think there is a phone. People come here to get away. And then I love how um, one of the catchphrases from the prisoner is, be seeing you. It's a bit like live long and prosper, but it's like it's, uh, you pick fingers up and then you have to kind of put, a, you know, use, do a circle around. Or is it like a twig, twi- like a twiggly? Circular thing with it. It's it's very weird. But then he's going, I'll be seeing you with one man who's wearing John Lennon slash Liam Gallagher type glasses. Ben gets it. Uh it's all part of this homage. The clock strikes at two past two, ten minutes past two. And ben realizes he needs to get back. And then Ben goes over, over to the way she says, you know, where how do I get out? She says, There is no way out. And Ben gets, Oh, come on. You know, she goes, No, you really can't get out. And the way she walks away and that look she gives. Is quite creepy and the music in the background is quite cheerful and chirpy. And it is that contrast that you see in the prisoner.
1: So all these people in on it, or are they just at a prisoner weekend?
0: I think it's a bit of both. I think because it I think what makes this episode work without a plot hole is that Jake's obviously organized the weekend in Port Marion for the fans. He has told them what Jet Ben's like and they've all decided to have a go at it because i think prisoner fans would be very um, very much big personalities and happy to get in on something like this i think and then ben dedicated will... dedicated that's correct and um, ben walks away and says oh how's he going to stop me call up the giant balloon and just as he walks away the white vine balloon appears it's just it's, it's, it's as you say Again. it's that perfect timing with the dialogue and what's it's pretty going worse, next. is it isn't it yeah it, it, and it's it, only yeah. funny because it wouldn't have been funny, the balloon, no. in the same way, no.
1: if that bit of dialogue wasn't there prior to that.
0: Because Ben is re- recollecting a, a, a 30-year-old oh. series that he's probably not watched since it was first shown. And he's probably thinking, oh, the white balloon, oh, there it is. Then we go back to the warehouse. Bill and Rona walk through the, the, this long row of glossy dresses. And, one, and Rona initially wonders if it's a costume fireplace. Or if they're Princess Diana's, Bill then grabs a really flashy blue dress and just says, Princess Diana, would, if Princess Diana would really go out dressed like this? And it is a bit more flashy for Diana because Diana had quite um, elegant looking dresses, didn't she? Back in, yeah, back in. yeah especially, yeah. especially bit, during the 90s. It's a bit thrills and spills in it. It's a bit 70s and spangly. Yes, for Diana. And then uh, uh, says she might, meeting blind people. <laughs> And then Bill grabs another blue dress, which Rona says that would suit Bill. And Bill's just like, this is horrible. You know, she wants something much simpler like, and then she she grabs this old dress, like, like a gold dress, which Rona calls Mumsy. And that's a great bit of contrast between the two of them, because, you know, Bill's the mum, wears very mummy, like, kind of clothes, quite of mature clothes, but Rona's more modern. And then Bill asks what kind of mum would wear that, unless she's taken a lot of Prozac. Well, she's never been to one area in the north. I'm not going to say where. Um, can you? I can imagine someone's wearing that. Um, Rona then grabs another one that is white with, but with like blue, like specks and very glittery and sparkly. She asks, "What's wrong with it?" And Bill says, "Nothing, unless you're Shirley Bassey." And then she finds a picture of Shirley Bassey on the wall. There she is. Rona then says, "She, um, she fi- finds uh, Rona then finds two vinyl records with, you know." Um, Shirley Bassey but one of them has the dress it's it's the dress so Rona then remembers a documentary that she watched which said that Shirley Bassey stores all her dresses in a warehouse and so that must be where they are and do you know what I love it's just like as you say you don't know what it's going to be, you think it's going to be something horrible you think it's going to be something a bit weird Shirley Bassey, yeah something scary Shirley Bassey's warehouse. I mean, it's the most left field concept you could imagine. It's so bizarre. I don't,
1: I don't know in what world any imagination could come up with that as what's in the warehouse. And yeah. not only that, but then imagine put that pair that up with the prisoner storyline as two bizarre. separate strands. Um, it is absolutely. And I mean this as an absolute compliment because, like I say, I think it's one of the best sitcom episodes of all time of any sitcom, but it's bonkers. It's absolutely it, it. stark, nerve and mad.
0: Going back to what I said earlier and about this. Is, it works. Exactly. And going back to what I said earlier about this being the Series 5 equivalent of The Cobras, The Prisoner is the Series 5 equivalent of The Prisoner, of the no, of the um, Blues Brothers performance. So you've got an episode, a series, a sort of second to last episode of series, where they pair a parody of a famous film or TV show with something else that's kind of not a parody, but just a weird occurrence that these characters find themselves in, a predicament. It's, a, it's, it's another example of Rona and, and Bill's surreal adventures. They've just found Shirley Bassey's warehouse with all addresses. This,
1: this is a sitcom, I think, as well. That's very much in its prime. Yes, definitely. It, it's, it hit, it's fully hit its stride. It knows what it is now. Yeah. Uh, everything. All cylinders are on fire. Not many sitcoms, I don't think, would have had the balls to put two very strong concepts like that. Di- uh, Diana Ross, Diana Ross, Shirley Bassey, mm. Shirley Bassey's um, storage hangar mixed with the prisoner spoof. I don't know many sitcoms that would have had the confidence to mix them together. And feel confident in 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 in, in ex- given enough um exposure to that in a 27 minute episode.
0: And and, and also and, and
1: it still yeah. works. That's that's the beauty of it. It works perfectly. It,
0: does. it really does. It's and bare also, knuckle. It's it bare
1: is? knuckle at the same time because it doesn't it doesn't stop no. at all. But it doesn't so it doesn't lag. There's no padding in this whatsoever. No. Every single scene. Is
0: vital. It 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 does every bit. It it, it 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 takes every bit of of idea of the two concepts well without it ever out saying it's welcome, or milking it beyond its natural life. As you say, it, it is an unusual. It does work phenomenally well.
1: You're left wanting a bit more, I think. Definitely, but that's a good thing. It, it it's not left wanting more in a in a. Well, I don't know. That didn't make sense. This didn't happen. That didn't happen. Yeah, you just left one more thinking, "Gosh, they're both really fun things that have happened there." Yeah. I, I, I could, I would like to see a bit more, but you don't need to see more because it, it it's plotted so
0: tightly and perfectly. Absolutely, and also the with a with a very realistic plot as well. In the basic strand of this, this is two parents trying to get back to their son's contest well, as a, as a kind of. Meaningful thing, but with this whole bonkers idea, it just makes it even more enjoyable.
1: That's probably what what the episode probably just started off with. There's a, there's, there's an event. The parents have got to try and get to the event to the event on time.
0: How oh, do I we, know what?
1: How do we? How do we throw banners in the works? Shirley <laughs> Shirley Bass's dressing room storage anger and the prisoner.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. like Yeah. How- <laughs> bonkers but also two concepts and two kind of names and and that are that were at that even at that time classics I mean Shirley Bassey was sort of if I think of Shirley Bassey you always think of the Bond theme tunes or um a brilliant performance on Morecambe and Wise from the 70s which is hysterical but she was and although she's always been around she was still considered a sort of old school singer by that stage a kind of uh, 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 what do you call it um, uh, a legend and yet so, 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 so to get something that would have cross-generational appeal because lots of your viewers won't understand any of this prisoner reference which I'll go back to in a moment. Bill says she can't wear anything you know it's Shirley Bassey's what if she comes back? I love that idea like Shirley Bassey would probably come back to her own warehouse uh, she might have assistants doing that for her and then I love what Rona says is, oh she wear mine she's nice and I love the audience sort of chuckle there. Isn't Shirley Bassett got a bit of a reputation for being a very. Diva. Diva. Yeah, Diva. Yeah.
1: I used to work in television and I've heard a story about Shirley Bassett being a diva and a character. I'm not going to relay the story because I don't know if it's true, but mm. I, I, I think there's a lot of rumors and stories about her being a character, put it that way. Okay. Uh, I think it's lovely when um, Ruanis says, oh, she won't mind. She's nice. I think that's such a lovely moment in, in the episode. Yeah, and um, it 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 because it well we don't know it, it, it is, is it, does she know that does she think that is she just saying that because she's trying to get Bill to you know do what she wants her to do we don't know but it's a really nice sweet moment I think. Yeah,
0: definitely because I think this is like they're they're like sisters at this point or two children. Ron, especially is egging Bill on saying you know. Let me take a moment and Bill's like, oh, all right. They're a bad influence on each other, really. If
1: you were the parents of them, you would say, oh, do you really want to be knocking about with her? You always get into
0: trouble. Yeah, exactly. So we're just going to try one and then we'll be done. Agreed? Agreed. And that's another, as you say, another kind of dialogue that ends the scene to hype up this idea of they're not getting to David's thing. Contradiction, a future contradiction. Exactly. Then we went back to Port Mary and Joe and Ben walks down a path and the white balloon starts following him. There's Jaws sort of music playing in the background, turns around and it's gone again. Then it appears. Ben starts to run. And just as he's running, the the music kind of hypes up and and, and sort of crescendo the balloon in the hole of an entrance. You know, it sort of gets stuck, which is quite funny. Um, People are around with the colourful umbrellas. Ben runs away and then the balloon isn't there. And then I love that the visual, which is that Ben's just leans sideways against the wall, and just as he just t- just goes sideways a few inches, the balloon just appears behind him again. It's just like he can't get away from it.
1: And the the, the, the there's um, again the music with this, yeah, is really setting the pace and it's creating the humour because yes. there's the bit where the music's the da 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 da, da like the music's really fast paced to the mm. the chase scene, mm. and then he thinks he's got away. Yeah. And the music stops. Yeah. And then right behind him, just very slowly. Duh, duh. Yeah. And then exactly. that's a moment where it's funny. Yeah. It wouldn't be funny without the music. It's no. all about the music at this point. That is setting that 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 humor up. Wonderful um, production. There's a, a lovely few moments as well where you see Roger, it. Well, it won't be Roger Lloyd packs feet. I think it's all the points, but I, I, when I watch it, i tried to see if I can see the feet.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. See, or, or, or if there's any sign of of the, um, the the figure shadow in the the back, obviously the the mm. big balloon. But... but
1: when I first watched this as a seven year old, mm. maybe six, I had no idea what the prisoner was at all. No, I still found this hilarious. Do you know He's what? Silly, yeah, mad. But as a child. I did, it didn't. It was irrelevant that I didn't know, have any clue what the prisoner was. That wasn't that. It, it was just funny that Ben was running around this lovely, pretty place, being chased by a white balloon. And actually, it was quite scary, but in a good yeah. way, in a safe way, because because you still you feel safe because it's Ben and, and it's a safe program. Yeah, yeah. But it okay. was blooming exciting. This is kind of like the most bare knuckle the program's ever been. I think it's it's so exciting, dramatic, and yeah. out of this world.
0: When I was watching this show again, in, when I was about sixteen, I was getting to writing at the time, getting to the kind of comedy I loved, and i I love comedy. I love TV. This, is, as you say, it's exciting, and I think t- comedies can be exciting. Science fiction is exciting. Horror is exciting. If it's something that's creative, that's a little bit abstract, a little bit out there, not sort of oh, it stuck in reality can be exciting. And this episode, I'm, I'm like you. I never seen The Prisoner. Didn't know what it was about, and this whole white balloon thing just absolutely blew my mind and although later on a couple of years later i, I came across the prisoner in a, in a in a in a clip or what i can't remember how but i saw a clip and it, it was clear how that was a parody it didn't lessen what i saw if anything i actually admired it more for what it did because the thing is although christine mentions in the um, no no Ben mentions the prisoner In the uh, Paddy's Cafe And Jake mentions it It's a prisoner thing And although There are references To what the whole thing Is happening as a homage I just didn't get it I, I don't think I was kind of In a 16 year old mind Concentrating And I I knew What was going on But I didn't fully get it And I think A lot of people have that A lot of people Just didn't get What the prisoner was But as a lot of these parties do It's make people Go and watch them And exactly what I did to, What I did for me
1: You're not talking down To your audience Are you You're not saying oh, you don't We're know not going to Not reference We're not afraid Of making references Because Uh you might not have watched something you know yeah. because the payoff's so worth it so oh, it doesn't it's... really matter if you don't know what the prisoner is or you don't you've not seen it because exactly. just the funny idea of a man being plonked somewhere in a balloon chasing him yeah. and you you if you didn't know what the prisoner was you'd at least appreciate that like blood does just playing a weird trick on him
0: oh and it's if still you funny. it's it, still it funny it still works and also because you've got adults watching this show as well, who are the same age as Bill and Ben, who will have remembered The Prisoner. It will have just been a bit of mm-hmm. nostalgia for them. And I think if you've seen The Prisoner now and you know what that balloon's all, well, you don't know, It's Prisoner's one of those shows you don't quite know what it's all about, but there's a lot to discuss and, and to theorise. The balloon it captures you and it's like it presses it. it the characters when it captures someone. It, it almost suffocates them. It's very creepy stuff. So if you, yeah brilliant we go back to the school and jenny and dave well david sat outside and then jenny appears um he's decided he doesn't want to do the competition you know he says you're right you know it is just stupid and that goes back to what she said at the, in the kitchen in the early hours of the morning and she just says you know there's a lot of things i don't mean and you know i, I quite like it's a nice little moment here it's, it's not kind of over gushy and it doesn't play out too long it's just kind of nice to see Wait. it together it, it needs
1: to be there because
0: it's important to the narrative. Yeah, but you just want to get back to Bloom and
1: Shirley Bassey in the balloon.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think it would if it was too much longer. It could have got a bit soppy, but it doesn't quite go there, thankfully. If anything, it's a
1: good moment for Jenny because yes. it gives some light and shade to her character. And mm. I do think, particularly in the early series, yeah, a character that suffers from not having enough light and shade. Because she mm. she she can quite easily just be thinged as that the the whingy stroppy girl. Yes. And I agree. this is a really nice moment for her character. Cause it shows a real soft side to her.
0: Yeah. And, and I, that, and that a, she's and, growing and, up.
1: And that's not as self-centered.
0: Yeah. And that she's actually deep down does care about David. The fact that she says that he's good, whether it's just to encourage him or she genuinely thinks so. He doesn't have to say it, which is so it's good for her to say so. But then also that moment where she kind of set, breaks, in, breaks it down to him a little bit, the situation saying, you know, they're not in the audience, are they? Then David says they promised. And, you know, Jenny's like, you know, to a kid, that means a lot, but we're not kids anymore, are we?
1: Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's the series actually saying quite a bold thing there, really, isn't mm. it? Because it's, it's the program's called 2.4 Children, and the kids are basically saying, we're not children anymore. But the, 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 the the juxtaposition here is—is is that does it matter? Because the parents are the kids now.
0: Oh my god! And the way she says, In this "And episode. you know, yeah." And she, the way she says, "Oh, sometimes there are work things they can't get away from." I'm like, "This." I mean, it started off as work things, but it's gone into some ridiculous, poor judgment and and childish pranks and 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 rivalry. That's what it's all come on to.
1: These are two lives that are out of control.
0: Oh, completely. You
1: know, it, it, and again, it's the the dialogue foreshadowing and and ex, and, and kind of contradicting foreshadowing, yeah. I think that's the word. Yeah. The events that are happening and that are saying, happening and coming, yeah. And and, and it making it even more ridiculous because you know yeah.
0: Yes. And then you know, she she says, know I'll be in the audience in case you change your mind. And then I love how David's just like, I bet they're both doing something really boring. And then literally just as we as we as he does that, it's um, you go uh, yeah opening of Hey Big Spender and, it, and I don't you don't know what they're going to do because like with Prisoner yeah I, I Ben's living through what the Patrick McGowan character was that's a homage you don't know what, how, what they're going to do in Shirley Bassey's warehouse so literally Rona's um, got the camera um, filming amongst the racks a leg kicks out from one of the um, gaps in the clothes Bill then appears wearing a dress and a Shirley Bassey wig and the remainder of the scene is them trying on the dresses and wigs and various poses, very much like Shirley Bassey, mouthing along to "Hey, Big Spender." Now, the music—the mu- the music's not playing in there. It's a dream sequence. That's how I see it. It's very—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's got that fantastical element to it, and they both look incredible. That in those dresses, they look like stars, Hollywood stars.
1: It's a lovely scene, and and and, and again, it's a gear change. It is because. Yeah, the first gear, massive gear change when they get in the warehouse. Yeah. Shirley Bassey, like, that's funny. But then, whoa, wait a minute, they're, they're, they're doing a musical number, they're in the outfits, boom. We're, we've gone there. yeah. Um, you're just waiting. The only thing that doesn't happen, yeah. which you're you could you're waiting for then, thinking is, well, wait a minute, is Shirley Bassey going, is this a guest appearance from Shirley Bassey? I don't yeah. blame them for having that. You know, that's a big thing to have you know that 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 that, at this moment in time
0: when you're starting
1: to think of what's happening in this episode this is an episode that is out of control yes um this is going to new heights and levels that i don't Mm. think british sitcoms been
0: yeah in terms
1: of just ridiculousness but again when i say ridiculousness i mean that is an absolute like that's a joy that it's doing it it's not ridiculous like bad like oh my god what are you doing this is just like This is mental, good Mm. mental. Yeah, Shirley Bassey gonna bob in as a cameo with two policemen, or you know, and say, "What are you doing with my dresses?" And you know, da 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 da. Like this is where we could be heading now at this point.
0: Anything's possible, and I like how anything, anything anything is possible. And the fact that they wear between them ten dresses, they wear five dresses each, and then suddenly they, they they spend a little time with me, and then suddenly. The clock set says four twenty, and it's do you know what it's one of the funniest images because bill especially bill she's usually very mature and responsible and this is her this is her at her most kind of scatty the way she her and rona whip off the wigs and then start i love how they struggle in the tight dresses running away and then bill's like i only her ben isn't doing something stupid you're just like, oh, my God, you really are just speaking to how pathetic you look right now. It's amazing. Ben continues to, uh, back in Port Mary, and Ben continues to run. The balloon is now over another um, tall wall. Ben sort of crawls his way through a tree area and finds an exit. And then as, as outside the exit, um, he sees Jake's fan. The balloon then appears and stops Ben leaving. And it's a really funny visual when um Ben sort of stood in front of it with a bit of distance. He kind of jumps along, sort of scut- scutters along to the side and the balloon keeps following him as he goes from one side to the other. He then hides behind a wall, turns his head, and as he does, so does the balloon. And then Ben says, you know, goes, right, you leave me no choice. So we see from behind the balloon, it's Klinger. And that's the moment we see him. He does it very well, I have to say, the way he's kind of moving the balloon along with his hands. I know. And stuff. he's pretty, pretty, um pretty impressive the way he does it. And actually that reveal when he's behind he's behind Ben, he looks manicus. <sighs> looks really evil.
1: This is a crazy man, like his yeah. friend or friend of me. Yeah. As a, a knock to the head. Yeah. Could have been seriously, you know, ill mm. yeah. from that, injured. And he kidnaps him, gets him undressed. Yeah. And then basically waits with a giant balloon yeah. to just trick him. I yeah. mean, this is this is ludicrous, but it, the payoff and the comedy from it is that good yeah. that you can just totally overlook all these absolute ludicrous and unrealistic, you know, events. Yeah. Because, because it just is it, so glorious to watch.
0: He reminds me a little bit of his character in Health and Official. I don't know if you've seen that in the hospital Andrew Marshall sitcom. He plays a character called Rex, who's an opera he he, he does operations, but he's basically obsessed with um body parts. He's, he's mm. a he's a bit he's a bit of a sadist, a bit demonic. He's like, ah, what members of the public can I cut up today? says things like that and he's got that evil growl about him. And he's very and he's a good character. He's a he's a very um right wing guy, goes, my incompetent male boy gave me the guardian today. Just things like that. And I just think he has that kind of evilness about him as Jake in this one so um Ben's working working his way through the crowds it's all this part this um uh, prisoner fan base and then eventually um he, he, he um Ben goes towards a large fountain and then as the balloon sort of lunges towards him Ben turns around with I think it's a cd what is it he's holding to, to swipe it against the balloon badge. a badge, a the badge yes, thank you, so he uses the, the sort of sharp part of the badge um, slices against the uh, balloon and it bursts and it's a great visual of the whole balloon just going and it just like goes, turns, because it's amazing balloons just look tiny when they stop being bit when they're not as, when they're not inflated and then Jake just kind of appears and then falls into the water and it, you know it's a really great moment as Ben goes over with the gesture and says, be seeing you and then drives off in, in Jake's van, laughing away.
1: Like film, film uh, esque again when he you know, he drives off in the van. Yes. Um, it's like a getaway thing, you know, like, yeah. ta-da.
0: Bit of a caper it's all over. Yeah. At 5.15, Bill and Rona enter the living room and Jenny and David sat in their chairs like angry parents. I love this bit because, as you say, it's built up to this whole moment that actually it's the parents that are for once... You know they're they're in trouble, and Bill says, "You know they were on their way to the school." And I love how Rowan's like, "Well, you were." I was going home. <laughs> and then Ben enters as well. Bill asks how the contest went, and Ben David stands up and delivers his. Well, I walked onto the stage and began to do the bit that I rehearsed, but something was wrong. Suddenly, I realized I stopped speaking. Something in my head was screaming to me: "They're not there, you fool! They're not in the audience." And I saw the judges just sitting there staring at me. And that was when it happened. I don't remember exactly what I did. Just brief flashes and then strange tang of metal in the air and blood, blood on my hands. And I love how Ben, Bill and Rona and Ben just transfixed. And there were, then there were the judges who'd been sitting before a tangled mass of hideously twisted limbs. And Bill's like, oh my God. And Ben says, you murdered the judges. And then Ben, and ben Dave's like, no, not really. I just wanted to see the acting They won me this. And he reveals he won the first prize trophy. So despite the fact that they weren't there, he went ahead with the contest and he um, he won. The phone rings and Jenny says she'll get it. Bill's like, I'm so sorry, I couldn't make it. And Ben says, you know how these things happen. David says, yes, you had a job that took longer than you thought. And mum had something really dull she had to do for the house. Ben's and Bill's like, I'm sorry, that is it. And Ben's like, that's the kind of boring life you lead when you grow up, son. And then just as he says that, Rona screams as the white balloon once again appears outside the front window. Ben storms outside, shouts at Klinger. And that's a great visual just between the sh- the um, the curtains of the two guys fighting between the balloon. And then Jenny walks back into the living room and says, face like thunder, mother, it's Shirley Bassey on the phone. She says, do you want your camcorder back? And that ends the episode. But
1: the thought of Shirley Bassey discovering that camcorder and watching it is <laughs> is, is lovely. Yeah. And and it's also great because at the end, Jenny it, it, she, her answering the phone saying, Mum, it's Shirley Bassey. Do you want your camcorder back? Is is again it's 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 kind of emphasizing that the kids have been the parents in this episode are the responsible, sensible ones.
0: And they're gonna so have just to bring explain the episode what's going on. full circle, really. It does because you think that the parents are going to get away with not saying what's happened, and they do. They have to eventually. And funnily enough, and something that I realized, you know, just a bit of a random thought. Bill and was at the same time in the show for Second Thoughts on ITV with Linda Bellingham and um like the lad's actor. James Boland. James Boland. I forgot his name on the first episode when I mentioned Second Thoughts as well. Um, and there's an episode where she dressed Bill and dressed up as Emma Peel. So I find it quite funny that. Uh, you know she was Avengers in one, in Second Thoughts and bit and Ben up as Number Six, yeah. Prisoner. Now, interesting fact about this episode. Well, not a fact of this episode, but about the history of of um the Prisoner appreciation. Obviously, it's become quite popular amongst Prisoner fans. It's um still a very popular episode because pris- as is the Prisoner in two thousand. There's loads of conventions. For the Prisoner. In 2008, there was an event at Port Marion um, called PM2008. It was at the Hotel Port Marion, and it was a child fundraiser for a children's hospice and auction off memorabilia. One of them was the script for this episode.
1: Oh, great.
0: £22 it went for. £22? Yes. I mean, it's better than not, but... um, I'd go buy (laughs) it. It's
1: nice that that Prisoner fans, you know, are aware of the episode and, you know... Mm -hmm
0: oh yeah I've why seen,
1: wouldn't yeah. there be you know it's a good spoof of it
0: exactly um i've seen Fantastic a couple of facebook to, twitter pages have said oh remember the 2.4 children prisoner spoof it's 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 brilliant it's a classic I, and i great.
1: think it's really i mean to me this this episode this is the fifth episode of the series for me it's got series finale written yeah. all over it it's got or, or or second at least, season opening, it just feels the spectacle of it. You know, the, the the shows never felt more brazen, bold, confident. Yeah, you know, five out there. series in
0: is pretty. It's to still be. I mean, in our recent um, poll, this anniversary series five came as the first people's favourites, and and it's it's so rare for a sitcom to be at its peak. Fifth series, and and it, it, both in quality and in in viewership, which it was, it was huge at this point. Um, so I I've, I've been I was so looking forward to talking to this episode with this episode with you, and I think it's been a very enjoyable discussion about an episode that is still very fondly loved. Seven dials, sitcom Stephen. How many um, stars out of five? I think I can guess.
1: Oh, it's got to be five. This I think this is perfection. Yeah, I don't think it gets better than this, really. I I you know sincerely mean that. I think. Like I said at the start, I don't just think it's the best 2.4 Children episode. I think it's one of. It would be in my top 10 sitcom episodes of all time across a range of sitcoms. I think it was you I was discussing this with when lockdown happened and they started yeah. repeating yeah. Um, my family and I think the second one they started showing 40 Towers and stuff yeah. um, on BBC One. I, I think it would have been a fantastic opportunity to start showing, not necessarily series, but Just random episodes of sitcoms. They could have done a series of it, you know, a season of maybe, you know, every weeknight, put after the one show, EastEnders, just put a sitcom on an episode and random stuff to spark discussion and people's memories. And I think if they did 2.4 children, this surely would be, this would go down very well. There's no reason you, maybe the word Ponce might have needed to have been bleeped out <laughs> yeah I, you know not my opinion but you know yeah. just on about the climate of today but mm. this this really would have i think gone down very well i think twitter would have been wow this is good
0: yeah it is it, it it's a it's a such a brilliantly put together piece of comedy i agree five stars of time as well it has h- sold up after 26 years and i can see it holding up for another f- for many years to come if 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 it's it it, it, there's just no today sitcoms when they try and be outlandish and a bit surreal it always feels very predictable but this doesn't as you say it's unpredictable you and 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 so tightly plotted and so effortless to watch there's no padding in this at all is there no not at all the one scene in the middle which is a little
1: bit well maybe two scenes uh, a bit slow. David with his teacher and Jenny and David, but they're vital. Yes, exactly. Yeah,
0: well, you need them.
1: Maybe not the teacher one, but it, it it's need, It is needed, but it's not mm. vital. But the Jenny David scene, it really, it does. You needed that, really. I know. I did say, you know, oh, can we get back to the action? But it it, it is needed. Yeah. Um, there's no padding in this at all. No. If you were to look at this episode and say, Oh, we've got to cut another five minutes out of it,
0: you wouldn't no, no, be, you able couldn't be able to. You wouldn't be able to. Not at all. I agree. There's no fat on the meat. No, not at all. You're absolutely right. I I think um I think for a lot of people this is an episode they are looking forward to. And so I hope everyone who's listening we did it justice because it is such a classic. In in, in our two point four fandom, it's a classic.
1: Which do you think, do you think this, I mean, because you know, my, I rate it as the best. Mm. Do you think, I mean, do, do others rate it as the best or is it, is it oh, got yeah. competition? Uh,
0: I would say it's probably very high up there. Uh, when we did our poll recently, it came in as the most popular of series five and it was in the, Oh, not all ten. time. It was in, it was very close. It was, it oh. was very close. Uh, the Cobras was particularly loved. Um. But yeah, this this was this was voted as well the best pot spoof of all of them. So I think it was I uh, definitely. To, 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 you always the prisoner episode is the one is something that people always come back to or Shirley Bassey's warehouse. So yeah, we we've we've done this was an episode a lot of people were looking for were were I think are looking forward to it and sitcoms and even I've really enjoyed chatting about it with you. So where can people find you online? I don't really do it. I have sitcom Stephen on Twitter, and I used to tweet
1: about sitcoms, but now I just I just retweet um, a few celebrities I like and whinge and complain to Curry's PC world. Uh, but I am on Twitter if you want to follow me, and I'll say hello. Um, I do try and tweet every now and then about sitcoms. Uh, life gets in the way, doesn't it? But, yeah, it sitcom Stephen. I'm on Twitter. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for having me, Jodie. I've really enjoyed it. It's been nice going down memory lane and watching this episode again and chatting about it.
0: Thank you. Another great episode, another great uh, chat with you. Uh, One of my first guests. So it's nice to see how this has progressed for uh, Series 5. And now we're only one, well, one episode away from the fifth series finale and then 95 Christmas special, then we're on to Series 6. So thank you to everyone listening today. Next week, we have our Halloween show. So it comes out next week it'll be the truth is out there as ever you can find me on twitter at jdcollins 95 and at jd collins on instagram and our facebook page is 2.4 children streaming and dvd campaign and, and the instagram page is a 2.4 podcast same for twitter next week's truth is out there until then